Hi, if I could take a moment of your time before we start. If you've enjoyed previous episodes or if you enjoy this episode, if you could subscribe on the platform that you listen to, that would be really helpful. It helps us get more guests and push the podcast forward. Thanks. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, a little shout out before we kick off this podcast. All of the podcasts now are in video format as well as audio format. And in this one with Busy, we we do a shop tour partway through. He suggested, so I thought, why not? So if you're interested in seeing the video side, head over to the Car Chat Podcast YouTube channel. And at about one hour, seven minutes, we do a little shop tour of Busy's shop, showing some of his cool cars. And then after that, at about one hour, 15, it's back to the five questions. Hope you enjoy. Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I am Sam Moores and with me today I have Busy, I'm hopefully not going to say this wrong, Ezerioha? Ezerioha? Yes, Is that right? Correct. Well done, well done. <laughs> Hi Busy. Can you tell the audience who you are and what you do? Well, my name is BC Ezerioha as Sam was kind enough to share and I am the owner, founder and chief engineer here at BC Motor Engineering. We take Automobiles, vehicles that are somewhat exciting and make them amazingly exciting. <laughs> um, we do a lot with OEMs. We do a lot with privateers and larger companies like Mattel and EA. Wow. It's, I, I think I first came across you, it was a long time ago now, um, with the blue 911. I was probably, I was looking it up and I think it was a Speed Hunters article and it had a big yes, wing. Yes. I don't know whether it's still got the wing anymore. <laughs> no, it does not have a large wing. That was actually my first Porsche and it's amazing. This journey I've had in the automotive community has just been amazing. And it's, it's been a good one indeed. And, and the best is yet to come. But that was my first Porsche ever. I'm looking at it right there. Right there in the garage. Yeah. So if we can sort of go back to sort of, I guess, uh, earlier on, the beginning-ish, how did you get into this pathway? <laughs> Do we have five hours? <laughs> yeah, we've, we've, got, we've got loads of time. <laughs> well, um, as you can hear from my accent, I'm, I'm not American. I'm not from here. Um, I'm Nigerian, actually. I'm from West Africa. Mm-hmm. Come from a family of scientists. Uh, my father's a geologist, and my mom is this brilliant biochemist. Okay. And so we always um, we grew up in an environment where science was really embraced and, and admired and loved and preached and practiced. 
And I've always had this knack of really just taking things apart and putting them together with my own take. And my parents tell me, I, I, I can't remember this. I don't know if it's true, but <laughs> my first word was car. And ironically, my second word was light. So that's really weird. Car light. Anyway, and I always kept saying car light every time at night when we drove by a car. <laughs> anyway, that's what they tell me. So I've always had this, you know, inherent passion for things automotive. Well, I was really, Sam, one of those weird students, like really weird, where I did a lot of reading. I like to overachieve. So I did very well in primary school and secondary school back home and skipped a bunch of grades. Did so well in my academia that I entered university back home at the age of 15. Oh, wow. Just, that is super yeah, young. Chemical engineering. And it was, it was kind of exciting and frightening at the same time because I was the youngest in my countries and all the papers and so on and so forth. I'm sure someone's beat me by now. But um, it was really exciting to be the youngest one to ever attend a university back home. But we just, for what I want to study, engineering, we just didn't have the technology. I mean, I remember the books we were reading were from the 60s. And I'm like, come on, I'm sure there have been advances in engineering technology yeah. <laughs> from 1960 to 1989. So I said, you know, uh, dad and mom, I begged them to please allow me to come to the United States like they did. They went to school here in the U.S. Mm. Um, my mom went to Cal State LA. My dad went to Cal, um, Cal Poly um, uh, here in Pomona. And I wanted, I wanted to have the opportunity to explore the same advantages they had. And luckily, my parents agreed. They agreed for me to do the same thing and come here. Well, during that semester, when I decided to come over to U.S., my father was in Europe taking care of business. My mom was still back home taking care of the factory. They have a cosmetics factory back home. Mm. And so I came to the United States um, after my mom escorted me to the airport with two suitcases and a family that my dad knew when he was here working in the oil companies waiting for me at that Los Angeles airport with a sign that said BC. And that's <laughs> how I came to Whittier. Now, what's interesting is um, I still didn't know about my passion about automobiles, but when I was in school, I had this brilliant idea, by the way. When I was in school, I decided that I didn't want my parents to take care of me anymore. I wanted to kind of fend for myself, which was the most difficult and most rewarding thing I ever did. I remember calling my father on the phone and saying, hey, dad, don't send resources anymore. Um, I'm going to take care of myself, pay my own way. And he laughed at me because <laughs> he didn't <laughs> think I could do it. But, and that laughter really pushed me. And I said, okay, I would prove to my dad, I'll find a job and I will fend for myself. And mm. Sam, it was really, really difficult. I mean, I had no idea. I, I never really understood the the benefit of money or how hard it was to make money because yeah. I always, my parents always took care of us and I had a very comfortable upbringing and it was really difficult, but it, it really did forge a spirit in me that um, allowed me to continue to do what I do today. I bought my first car. I needed something that was very reliable, right? As a student and something mm -hmm. that would be good for, uh, for transportation, but also that looked really cool, right? Cause I'm the student. I wanted something that looks cool. So I remember back home, I was looking at magazines and I loved the Pontiac Fiero because <laughs> it looked cool. Yeah. Horrible car, by the way. And then the Toyota MR2. So when I landed here in the US, I read, I bought, I bought this book from a bookstore known as Consumer Reports. And I read up on this Fiero. I'm like, oh no, this thing has horrible <laughs> reliability. Oh, it catches on fire. Oh no, I can't. I, no, not for me. It looks cool. Two-seater, fiberglass, really slick, wedge-like. Okay. The Toyota MR2 Perfect, good reliability, looks really sexy, wedge, two-seater, my style. 
but I can't afford it because why? I'm trying to fend for myself. Yeah. So what could I afford, Sam? A Honda CRX. It's a two-seater, nice. kind of wedge-like, very reliable, not as sexy as I thought it would be, but it would do. So I purchased my first CRX, used 1988 CRX HF, high fuel economy version. And that vehicle is what kind of started my passion for modifying. Now, did I just out the gate modify? No, I didn't. Um, one day I was going to school, started the car, and I heard this, this sound Sam, emanating from the back of the vehicle. It was this, this, I'm like, okay, I know something is wrong, but it sounds pretty cool, but <laughs> I need to fix this, whatever is happening in the back of my car. Yeah. So I go to a local dealership, a local Honda dealership, and um, they told me, oh, I have a perforation in my muffler. I have a perforated muffler. My muffler has holes in it. So I could fix it for $670 or $680. Now, Sam, I'm a student barely making $200 a week. And he said $600. That felt like the defense budget for me. I could, I'm like, no, <laughs> that's too much money. Oh, no, no, no. So I went to text say, hey, there's a muffler shop down the road. They, they kind of could put an aftermarket muffler and it'll be cheaper. I said, okay, thank you so much. So I drove to this place called Supreme Muffler in Gardena, next city over. And uh, the guy said, okay, yeah, a couple hundred bucks, no problem. Um, and uh, we'll do it for you. We'll put this Dynamax Ultraflow muffler which should be better than factory, and you'll probably like it. I said, okay, okay, fine, do it. <laughs> so he, he saw this muffler, and Sam, I started the car, and I heard this deep tone, and like, oh, my God, this sounds really cool. It's not that nasty, do-do-do, I had it, just this nice, it's so, I'm like, wow. Okay, thank <laughs> you, I paid, drove out, and I started driving, and, and my car felt faster. And I'm like, what is this sorcery? I mean, what is this, this magic where my car feels? And then as I'm driving to school, my gas mileage is better. I'm like, wait, I'm consuming oh, nice. less petrol. Okay, that's it. I have, I'm an engineering student. I have to understand this, 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 this madness. And I, so after class, I went to um, Orange County, very high-end area in Southern California. And I went to this bookstore that primarily worked, you know, it was like a bookstore slash performance facility. And I bought these three books. I bought Honda Performance Handbook because I had a Honda. I bought this yeah. Horsepower Secrets book uh, by Smokey Unit because I'm like, okay, I want to understand the secrets of horsepower. And then uh, How to Build Horsepower Volume 1 by David, Dr. David Vizard. And I read these books like the Bible. I mean, from cover to cover. And I was fascinated with the VA culture here in the U.S. because the t- other two books, the Power Secrets and the Horsepower, How to Build Horsepower with VA co- books. But the Honda performance one was really Honda. And they talked about this company called Mugen in Japan that made 200 horsepower from a similar engine like mine. And they talked about this, this renowned racer called Oscar Jackson in the United States. And then this place called Advanced Engine Management, which, wait a minute, Advanced Engine Management is in Compton, which is nearby me. You know, Compton, the hood, Compton yeah. is nearby. So I'm going to go there and see what they're about. So I drive down there. They moved to Gardena. I'm like, I was just in Gardena. I go there. And I, 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 I meet the, the founder of that company, John Concialdi, an engineer, mechanical engineer, went to Pomona like, Pomona like my dad. And he really like said, hey, BC, I'll, I'll, I'll take you under my wing and show you and teach you everything that I know. Awesome. That began my journey, Sam. It really did. Um, I had a few hurdles along the way because even before meeting John, um, a few people, I go to shops and say, hey, um, I have this CRX. It makes more power. I want more. Could you help me understand 
what I could do. And if you could do it, explain to me what you're going to do. And many shops owners would just like shoo me away. Like, Oh, just give us money. We'll do it. Or, you know, yeah, you yeah. don't need to know. And, and they were not very helpful. And John was, and if we fast forward to today, Sam, every Tuesday I do this show on Instagram where it's called the BCMO tech Tuesday. And all I do is share my entire knowledge on everything I know, Sam, everything. I'm not afraid to share everything that I've learned, knowing that next week I'll know more than today and next year I'll even know more. But I, I share everything because I want to be that person I needed when I was younger for anyone. That's so cool. Um, I, I really needed that. And it was so comfortable that many shop owners wouldn't even help. And now I'm in the business, I understand. A lot of people don't know what to do and they're scared or, or terrified or in, you know whatever the case, intimidated. But I share everything. Any, anyone can ask me anything. I'm sure even your viewers have questions. Yeah. I am here to answer them. I am down. <laughs> so that's it's, what got, began my journey. That really was it. Sorry, I get really excited about that one. stuff. Forgive me. <laughs> Forgive me. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's so cool. I, I 100% get what you're saying when, when you went into the shop and you say, I want you to do X, Y, Z, but I want you to explain it. I'm, I'm the same sort of person that like, I, I want to know what you're doing because I'm right. just interested. Like I've of come course. to you because you are the pro and like, I will pay you. But Absolutely. equally, like, I would like to know what you're doing. Yeah, that's what you do. Even when I, even when I have a, I have a dyno cell right behind me and when I dyno cars, I invite my clients to stay here, of course, in a safe area, but I invite them to, and I explain to them, Hey, here's what I'm doing. Here's what I'm connecting a, 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 um, a sensor to your intake manifold. Even though you're naturally aspirated, I want to monitor vacuum and here, why, why is that important? Oh, I put you in closed loop and here's why I'm putting in closed loop. So wherever you drive, you ECU automatically adjust for the temperature and elevation. And I, and some people could care less. Yeah. Some people love it, but either way is, is what I do. Cause that's what I expect as well. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that's cool. So you start right. off modifi- modifying your Honda. Yes. And did, which is did that very just continue? <laughs> <laughs> what's, what was, what were the biggest, what were some of the hurdles that you came along, along the way? Um, How far did you take that car? Tons, tons of them. Um, <laughs> You know, we're talking late. Well, I didn't start modifying to mid mid nineties. We're talking mid nineties, mid to late nineties. Um, unlike right now, Sam, where everyone enthusiasts live in a in a in a a golden era. And what I mean by that is, you could go online, go to a BC Motor Web store, and buy parts for your car, for your Porsche, for your Honda, for your Nissan, whatever the case may be. Yeah. We didn't have that in the mid nineties. You, there was no internet. Um, well, barely, um, barely an internet. There was AOL and some other things and computer, <laughs> yeah. Netscape. Anyway, I digress. But you couldn't, there was no Amazon. There was no web store you can just buy parts from. If you wanted something for your car, you had to create them. And as an engineering student, that's kind of where I shined. I was very curious and that curiosity stays with me till today. And the VA guys, I'd watch what they do and I'll apply similar concepts to my own CRX. And to answer your question, how far did I go? That thing ended up being, after a few years, after a decade or so, ended up being a full-on drag track trailer queen. It just went from <laughs> this daily driver that put me through school to a full-blown track car that broke records worldwide and attracted the attention of American Honda. And with American Honda, we started partnering and building cars for them, and then it started attracting other manufacturers like Hyundai and Ford, which we work with here in the United States, which is amazing. Even Lexus so just sent cool. a car yesterday, which is interesting up front. They sent me a hybrid to have some fun with. So it's, it's, what it's, sort it's, of it's things been great. You do when a, like working with a manufacturer. Like- oh, it's so awesome. Every, sh- I don't know how it is over there in, in the UK, but 
here in the U.S., it's every shop owner's dream to work with the manufacturer directly. That's like the epitome. I mean, oh, when yeah, you when I'm you sure. get there, you've made it, right? The first car I'm looking at here, forgive me, I probably should give you guys a shop tour in a moment. This first car over there is a CRZ or CRZ, as you guys may say over there. We say back home too. It is supposed to be the CRX replacement. So here's the call that happened and what typically happens with a manufacturer. We have a new car that we want to appeal to the youth with. So BC, we don't know if they'll really embrace this model. So we want you to take this. We'll give you a budget and go crazy because we want eyeballs on it. That's pretty much how the conversation happens. Sometimes that informally, sometimes extremely formally. And um, we submit a proposal of what we can do. They get approved, we get paid, and we build the most ridiculous thing that we can. Everything from a 533-horsepower CRZ to a 1,000-horsepower minivan, we build them all, and it works. Um, when we built that minivan, the 1,000-horsepower one, and it got on top gear here in the United States, that quarter, when it launched, Honda had their highest Odyssey sales that quarter ever. Amazing. So when it's not that people will bang down our doors and beg for a thousand horsepower minivan. No one just does it, but <laughs> it creates a lot of awareness for the brand. So for the OEMs, it's a godsend. It's a blessing indeed for them to be able to explore that and, and create sales. And it's a very cost effective way of creating revenue sales as well. Yeah. So imagine the process of building a car obviously is not cheap, but running no. like an ad campaign is unbelievably expensive yeah. anyway. Absolutely. What we do is much more cost effective and, and gets to a different demographic that typically wouldn't care about a certain commercial. And it, it works and it does well for us. So it's the OEMs are a very strong revenue stream for us here at BC Moto. Do you, I've, I've not seen now, I, I feel like maybe I have, but any sort of sports car manufacturers that I can think of doing a similar thing? Yeah, um, no, most of the guys uh, are vehicle manufacturers that do a lot of uh, standard commuter vehicles. So I haven't seen anything from, let's say, Lamborghini or Ferrari come to us to do yeah. that. But Honda is a very strong partner for us. Um, and they even take our partnership further than just building cars for major shows and for um, pushing uh, uh, brands. They, they pay us for some technology, for example. There's oh, so, a very popular V6 turbocharged application that currently exists in the market here in the U.S. and, and worldwide. And the, the genesis, lack of a better, forgive my uh, <laughs> phrase there, the genesis of this, I'm giving too much away, occurred here. So the prototype for that engine was right here in our engine room. It's where it started. And we built cars for the race teams as well. It's been, it's been a great journey with those manufacturers. But you're right. I haven't had any high-end, purely, you know, high-performance or supercar manufacturers come to us yet. Yet. Yet, yeah. I, <laughs> I, I, I guess that's, the more mainstream cars lend themselves very well to this sort of thing because if, if they're not considered cool to start with... Of course. When you make a mad transformation, yes. you've made a mad transformation. If it's already a, I don't know, GT3 RS or something, and you make right. it faster and whatever, it's just plus a bit. <laughs> we do that for, for privateers, but not for the manufacturers, you know. But for privateers, we have some crazy stuff. Even that red one right behind me there, that's a privateer vehicle as well. And it was a bit of a mess when it came here from the UK, but now it's very pretty and quite powerful. As a matter of fact, my client told me yesterday, He's a little bit afraid to drive it because <laughs> it just has too much power. And I, I just thought, I was just showing him the tip of the iceberg and he, yeah. and just to say, hey, I want more. He's like, oh, that's a bit much. Anyway, I, like that. <laughs> I, I get too excited. I get too excited. So Forgive me. The car behind you, for the, for the yeah. people that are listening and can't see, 
I, I can see it's some sort of 935 type thing. I can't. Is it a race car or is it a road car? Um, the pink one or the red one? The red one. Oh, yes. So um, in the UK, um, the gentleman who owned the car wanted it to have a street duty and pass your MOT. So it was quite ugly because they infused these headlights in it and indicators and yeah. lights for the tail, for the license plate and um, and had to do some emission stuff. And it was quite ugly when it came here. So the gentleman wanted to put it back to his original 935 Glory. That's a factory 935 body. Okay, um, cool. So we found the original molds for the factory 935 and recreated this original race livery in the front. And you can see it has a blue front bonnet. Um, yeah. Only so, because the, the gentleman wanted to recreate, once again, you crash a car on the track, you need to put it back on the track, you just grab a front <laughs> end from another car, throw it on. So he wanted to give that whole race theme to it. So that's why it, it looks like that. And it's it's been well received by this large community in SoCal uh, known as Luftikos. There's this big event yeah. here uh, where there's a lot of air-cooled um, celebration. And this car was a, was a highlight of the last one. It was really well received. But what we did with that is we, we took the beauty of the classic 935 and infused modern technology into it. Because, Sam, I'll be honest with you and your audience here. I love old cars and how they look. I really do. They're beautiful. There's a beauty of it when we didn't have to worry about crash standards and pedestrian safety and all this craziness. The cars yeah. are just beautiful art. But I hate, I despise old technology. I love modern technology. So what I tend to do on my privateer side is that we tend to infuse modern technology into older classic vehicles. And that's a perfect example. That vehicle has CAN bus communication, has hall sensors throughout the entire vehicle instead of old mag or mechanical read sensors. It has the capability of impeccable gas mileage and, 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 and drivability because it's now sequential fuel injection or posted batch. Um, even the injectors are modern. I have these very nice spray patterns courtesy of EV14 injectors from Bosch. Um, it's, it, it starts up. You don't have that. It just starts up. It's just nice. So it looks old school and you can see hints of modernization in it, but it's internally under the bonnet. It's absolutely madness. It's just fantastic. That's so cool. What Thank I have so. a. I have an old, um, a backdated 911 SC that's nice. sort of been played with quite a bit. Um, nice. But but I'm a bit like you. Like I I like I like the look of old stuff. Right. Um, but there are certain things that I just don't want to have to deal with. If if the car <laughs> you're driving it once a year and it's a bit temperamental, that's that sort of okay. Right. But if you like you said, you know, you want to start it up and it's like okay, I would rather it just went and then off you go. Of course, and off you go. Of course. You don't want to carry be... a can of a of 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 fluid start or starter fluid and start spraying yeah. into the carburetors <laughs> just to get it cranky. No, 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 you don't want to do that. You just want to get in and go. Exactly. So if, if you were taking just like most old cars, that's a really broad category. And what would be your essential like elements that you would change straight away? The power plant, the, the means of propulsion. Older cars were slower. I'm a racer. I love cars. I love going fast. They were really dirty. So you think about emission standards then, they weren't really anywhere near what we have today. As a matter of fact, right behind me, and some of the guys who can't see it cannot enjoy what's right behind me, but this is the ultimate right behind me. It's this, I, I'm starting to electrify classic vehicles. And that's the ultimate in terms of clean power and reliability. And it's something that we're starting to do more and more every month, every day. It's just 
it's really changed how I view cars. And it's important for me because I used to hate electric cars. I used to hate mm. electrification. I thought it was really, I thought it was stupid. I, I listened to my peers and I thought it was this soulless, horrible way to, to just, it's almost sacrilegious to do that to a car, to put in a, an electric motor or a hybrid setup. It was just until my hand was forced and my life has now changed. <laughs> what made you start doing electric cars? My partners. So uh. let's take back to the, the, the question um, that you had earlier on about uh, my, my relationships with OEMs. Yeah. American Honda, when they called me and they wanted me to do this CRZ, the first thing they said, okay, we want you to go crazy with this and get it appealing to the youth market. But it, the problem I saw already off the bat was it's a 1.5 liter hybrid. And I'm like, okay, you want me to make it cool? You think hybrid, you think Prius, you think tree hugging, you think <laughs> the farthest thing from sexy, you think hemp shoes and, and living in a, in a mud hut. I mean, it's just, you don't want, that is not cool, right? It's everything that's not cool is a hybrid, right? Yeah. So I told uh, John Yoshinaga, who's in product planning, sir, first thing I'm going to do is rip that engine out and put in a 2.4 liter K series out of the TSX, after TSX. And he said, absolutely not. We need you to keep that power plant. And to my, to my chagrin, I agreed. And I'm glad I did because I learned something. I learned, wait a minute. Okay, forget the tree hugging. Forget the Prius mindset. This thing has a lot of torque off the line. So what if I size my turbocharger to where the electric motor could kick in at low RPMs? And when the electric motor starts peering over, my boost comes on with a turbo and I have the best of both worlds. And I did. So now I, I focus a lot on the petrol side of the engine, made a lot of power, but size the turbo large enough to where if I'm cruising, it's very economical because I'm in vacuum and I'm using the electric motor as well. When I'm decelerating, I'm recharging using the uh, integrated motor assist to recharge my batteries. And off the line, when I take off, the torque is there. Stop me going. And I built the car that was happy. And then Honda started being very, very evil to me. They started sending NSXs over here, um, pre-production NSXs. And my wife and I started taking them to the local racetrack just to test, to test. Yeah, and yeah. Um, they were freaking fast. I mean, we were spanking <laughs> muscle cars, Hellcat, Mustangs, supercharged Novas in a stock NSX. And it's not that the NSX made a ton of power. It wasn't making seven, 800 horsepower. This 500, mid 500 horsepower setup was fast because the electric motors got it off the line immediately. Yeah. The torque off the line is what propelled it. We would just leave these cars off the, out the hole. And it was amazing. I'm like, huh? But Sam, I kept getting this influence from my peers about electric cars not having a soul and it's horrible and it's, you shouldn't do it. And as a matter of fact, this gentleman from the UK wanted to do electrify his initially. He said, yeah. DC, I think you can do this for me. This is like uh, about three years ago. I think yeah. you can do this. I want to do it. And I helped talk him out of it. Like, don't do that to your car. Don't, don't. <laughs> but something started happening. So a big show for us in the aftermarket performance in the U.S. is the SEMA show. It's similar yep. to what you yep. have in the U.K. with Autosport. Because I've been to Autosport quite a bit mm. at the NEC in Birmingham. And I noticed every year the booths started getting not as exciting. And our budgets started getting smaller and smaller each year. Like, huh? They're not doing as much as they used to at SEMA, the OEMs. They still take care of us on the technology side, but on the SEMA side, it started to go away. So we have another partnership with a company called Harman Kardon. They do a lot of sound equipment. Yeah. They own JBL and Mark Levinson and all these other divisions. 
And they had us build them this 700 horsepower Hyundai SUV and they put all their components and sound systems and all this stuff uh, in it. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, and then we, we shipped that off to Vegas for the, uh, um, a CS, Consumer Electronics Show. And then, of course, since we built it, they invited us over and gave us passes. And my wife and I and the team were blown away. We're like, wait a minute. What is going on here? This is the same convention center that we were in two months ago. There are a lot of all the OEMs are here and they're investing more than they do in SEMA. And they're building cars for these events. And they're talking about autonomy and electric vehicles and future mobility and alternative fuels and renewable energy. I'm like, wait a minute. What do we? So I started going to this every year. Now, that's why I haven't been to this NEC in the past two, three years because I've been going to CS. It falls on the same week. Sam, you should see this show. I mean, what the Mitsubishi and Honda and, and Porsche and Ford, Ford's booth is out of control. Chevrolet, they're all there with this agenda of the future mobility and it's electric. And I said to myself, I need to get my head around this. Okay, I get, I get it. I don't like it. It's not sexy. It has no soul. I need to build something. I need to build something. So I had this build on paper. And I don't tell this story often, Sam, but I'm going to share with you and your audience. The 935, the pink and gray 935, it was supposed to be a petrol car. One of my partners is a big, big partner of ours in the, in the performance community, signed on to have us build this car for them for their booth at SEMA. Yeah. And the gentleman who spearheaded or signed up on this project gave us a verbal commitment. Hey, I need you to build this car. We had a pretty nice six-figure budget uh, to build this car. And because I knew that the vehicle would be quite special, I didn't wait to receive funds before I started it. I wanted to get ahead of the project so that when SEMA came, it would be done. So the gentleman gave us his commitment a year before I started building. So I, I, I used one of my chassis. Uh, the wife and I found the original Kramer molds, paid a lot of money for the molds. We grafted this to a, a standard Carrera body from 1984, paid thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars to get this going at a, at a paint shop. And then the gentleman who commissioned it got let go from the company for embezzlement. Oh, no. Now, because of that, the nature of his departure, everything that he committed to was ceased, stopped. So here I am, halfway through the project, cars primed. I invested tens of thousands, knowing that I'm going to get much more to cover it. But I invested my own money, and this car is sitting here now. I'm like, what do I need to do? Sam, I haven't told anyone this story. And, And it's totally internal, but I'm sharing with you and your audience now. And my wife said to me, she's my vice president of the company. She said, um, BC, you know that thing you have on paper? I think now's the time. I know you're going to put it in like a regular 911. You should probably put it in this crazy 935. I think the, the, the internet will just explode. And I said, honey, you know, that's a good idea. So that's what happened. This project was supposed to be a corporate project um, with a lot of backing behind it. And because of what happened, um, it was a blessing in disguise. I mean, I was, I was terrified because I invested a lot of money a lot of our private money into it. Yeah. But I ended up building it as an EV and it ended up being one of the most amazing. The first time I drove this, Sam, I felt like I need to find all the people that told me EVs are soulless and slap them all. <laughs> <laughs> slap them in unison. It is the most amazing. Ridic- and I'm a car. I love speed. And, yeah. and I took pride in something else. I mean, you may see some of my videos on YouTube. Where how you can I show how easy it is to drive this car. It's an enthusiast car. Sam, I can give you the keys. I can give our mom the keys. And our mom could go inside, turn the key, and then drive off. 
Well, if you look at some of my other peer engineers, when they build conversions, and I don't like this about my peer engineers, when they build conversions, you have all these switches you have to hit. You have to hit the main switch and wait yeah. a few seconds and the pre, and, and, and the negative contactor and then a pre-charge contactor and then a positive contactor. And who wants to do that? Or there's another popular one where people use screens, these ugly touch screens. They have to touch so many things just to get it running. You're an enthusiast, Sam. I'm an enthusiast. I happen to be an enthusiast first and engineer second. So yeah. that being said, I build my cars like akin to what you and I would love to drive, right? So you get in, you look around, you smell. It smells like an old Porsche. It looks like an old Porsche. It feels like <laughs> an old Porsche. It turns on like an old Porsche. But after that, you press on the throttle and like, oh my goodness, this is the most accelerating. I mean, zero to 60 on this. And that's me rolling into it. No launch control. 2.06, zero to 60. That's, that's very fast. <laughs> seconds. You feel it in your chest. You feel it in your neck. It's just, it's amazing. And I live in California. I don't know how it is in your region. This state is very strict on pollution. So yeah, yeah. they incentivize us to, to do things that are, to buy cars that are cleaner and do all the stuff. They, this car, even being an EV and being probably the fastest car in my arsenal is legal here in California. I can drive it around and it's been approved for me to drive it daily, which is great. So electric cars have a soul. It's different. You don't have the rumble or the vibration you may get from a petrol engine. Um, yes, I can't shoot flames like I do with my other cars, <laughs> but I, I could shoot flames, but it would be a bad thing. Um, but um, this, it has its own sound. It's almost Jetson-like, this, this, this weird that you hear. It has its own. And the dangerous thing about this is you end up not realizing how fast you're going. You could look down after a few seconds and you're doing 100. You don't even know it. You don't even, yeah. couldn't tell. But you also have this weird connection with the road that I don't have on my petrol cars. My blue car is loud and it's rebunctious and it's fast. The blue uh, 930. But you feel all of that. With this, you feel more connected with the road. You hear the, the stones in the road and you can feel the chassis and you hear things and the creaks and the it's a different experience and it gives you a weird connection. I can't explain it. It's something that you have to experience yourself. It's very yeah. peculiar, but enjoyable to, to boot. It's an interesting one, that one. I, not that long ago, drove a, a Lotus Elise nice. and it didn't have an exhaust. It was completely fa- factory, but you couldn't right. really hear the engine that much. Right. So also like if you weren't on the power, right. you got that sensation that you were talking about. And then I'm sure it'd be heightened in an electric car, but... Yeah. You could just hear all four tires and yes. therefore like when it's squealing, whatever's going on, it's that removal good of the feedback. engine. It's good you suddenly feedback. have it. Right, right. But the, the thing is that there is, in, in this case, there is a sound and, and, and I amplified mine because in the back of the vehicle, I have this aperture where I didn't close off the compartment where you sit and the engine bay. So okay. you hear all the electric noise and motor. It's, it's this... <laughs> It's, it's really, it's just, it's so cool, dude. It's just cool. <laughs> it sounds like you're in the future. It's just cool. If you see that movie, Minority Report, and you hear the cars, yeah, so, yeah. it sounds just like that, but a little louder because you just hear everything. And it's, it's changed my life. And now people are telling me, BC, shut up and take my money. I have a long <laughs> list of people who want conversions, including one of the heads at Google found out about what we did, awesome. sent his caterham down, and we're now modifying his Lotus Caterham to electric. And he's a CEO for 
the autonomous vehicle program for Google, for, for Waymo. And that's one of many people who we have in line to electrify their cars. And it's been a, a great journey. That's I look really forward cool. to some wonderful things to come. I really am. Going from combustion engines to, and like for people that haven't seen Busy's builds before, they're all like your 930 turbo. It's just like <laughs> flames everywhere, heavily turboed to electric. That must have been a massive, was that quite a big jump to, to building an electric car or it is. not so bad? It is. And uh, you're absolutely correct. It is. And the things that I'm so used to, I mean, think about where I started. I started with, with small displacement, high RPM automobiles initially or engines mm. initially, and then transferred over to force induction and then flat six force induction. And it's been a great journey, but I, I, I really love thinking out of the box. I love technology. I love learning. The one thing that was difficult for this, for the electric conversion is I underestimated how much work it was from a wiring perspective. Okay. I underestimated how dangerous it can be. Um, you know, of course, yeah, petrol engines were literally sitting on a, almost sitting on a, a, a tank <laughs> of flammable fluid, but you don't think about it because it's so You can ubiquitous. smell it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but with the EV stuff, I mean, you're dealing with 400 plus volts here. It's, it's quite dangerous. So I had to dust off my, my little background in electrical engineering with some of the electives I took when I was in college and consult with some experts in the field as well to point me in the right direction because there, there are things there that are quite interesting. But um, I was able to put my own take on things and it's, 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 it's complicated from a wiring and from a safety and fail-safe perspective, but the components themselves are quite simple. Um, you don't have anywhere near the moving parts in electric motors that you do in a petrol engine. And that leads itself to great reliability. I don't have to change the oil. Um, I don't have to maintain. I don't have to wor- worry about head gaskets or valve spark plugs or valve covers leaking. Or you know how all Porsches leak? This one doesn't leak at yeah. all. <laughs> it's just, it's, just um, it, it's, it's amazing. It's just, it's simple and elegant and powerful, but also very complicated underneath. I mean, I have modules everywhere. I have batteries and wires and my BMS I have 96 connections to each battery pack and I have two of those via my battery management system. Um, I have a, a, a drag racing power distribution module, which they don't even know I did this. Race Pack is a big drag race domestic company here in the US owned by Holly. And I'm using their drag race PDM to control my entire vehicle, my entire system, the contactors and the pump and, and my dash. And they're like, they probably don't even know what I'm doing with this thing and my motor and controller. I'm, I'm controlling all that with a drag race setup. So I'm using technology to my advantage and making it very appealing for like a better phrase. So yeah, it was different, but I welcome the difference. I welcome yeah. it indeed. New challenge. What's I do. the battery packs wise? Did you take, rip up a Tesla or where did you get, well, how does it work? Well, the batteries are something that are LG Chem, something you can commercially purchase. It's something where the OEMs use in some applications. It's akin, the modules are akin to what you may see in, let's say, a Pacifica hybrid. So it's a similar configuration. Um, they're quite modular. That's why I like them. They're about this size, so not yeah. too big, about the size of a standard battery you may see in a car, but uh, they were about 38 pounds each. And I have six in the front and six in the rear. That gives me about... Uh, 32 kilowatt hours of energy. And in uh, layman's terms, 
it gives me a range of about 180 miles if I can keep my foot out of it. <laughs> if I have a lot of fun, which I typically do, but leave my region active, I can get 140 miles, which some people may say, oh, that's great. Others may say, oh, that's not a lot. But for me, it's perfect because I have a fifth gen Viper, 2014 Viper, Dodge Viper, yeah. 630 horsepower, 640, similar horsepower to this. I get 120 miles on a full tank of gas. <laughs> so my goal was I want to build this supercar EV. And if I can get more mileage than my Viper with yeah. a full charge, I am happy. So it is this 935 EV is a supercar and it gets better range than my Viper. Um, it may take a little bit more time to charge, charge it than filling a tank of a Viper, but it's, it's very enjoyable and it will destroy my, my Viper wouldn't have a chance of racing this thing. Yeah, it wouldn't have a snowball's chance in hell in being this thing. So it's it's great. It's great. With those battery packs, do yeah. you have to do you put them all like together connected, or can you yes. actually just yes. spread them out for weight distribution so, and whatever? Great, great, great question. Oh, you're so good, Sam. <laughs> I do have full weight distribution because I wanted something that was extremely balanced. I do have one far rear, one pack far rear, and another in the front. And the ones in the front are kind of stacked where there are three on the bottom and three stacked on top. And I did something very clever with thermal management by using carbon, um, uh, copper plates to distribute heat because I air cool the batteries for now. Um, so it allows me to do that and distribute it around the enclosure to allow me to have some kind of thermal management. The rear, I have them in series, just six batteries in series sitting back there as well. Far back to give me that nice distribution as well and allow me for, allow for better adhesion to give me some good balance or bias towards the rear. Mm. So it's quite modular. In the future, and that's what I love about this, those batteries allow me to move things around for future projects, but I also set up the battery packs in a way that as battery technology improves, I can easily take those out and replace them with other modules. Because as far as I'm concerned, and some of my peers may disagree with me, I feel that in terms of battery technology, we are still in the infancy stage. There's so much opportunities that can exist with battery density, charge times, discharge capabilities, thermal management that we're, we're barely scratching the surface. So there are great things to come and I'll continue to improve these and my customer cars as time progresses. Yeah, that's cool. Because I, I know when you look at batteries now, like batteries haven't really changed. Like a normal car battery, it's basically yeah. the same battery that's been around forever, which that's kind true. of blows that's, my that's mind. That's really old stuff. But there, there are companies like Odyssey and Optima who they use glass matte technology nowadays to give us batteries that don't have the lead acid in, to, in them. Mm. Um, but on the lithium ion side, um, there's, there's so much that's just, that's changed. And there are other components on the anodes and cathodes, other materials that can be, uh, less invasive to the earth that we can use as well. Um, I don't want to give too much away, but I'm going to start dusting off my chemical engineering books and, um, try and see what I can do to contribute to this cause. Yeah. Cause I, I feel that there's, yeah. there's some, there's a lot of opportunity that exists in, 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 in cell technology that maybe some of my peers are not really exploring or if they are, it's, it's still in its, in its experimental phase or with universities and not being really pushed towards the masses. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like how your nine through five is, is still air cooled. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that, sir. Thank you. Thank you. It's quite like novel. Going back to before the electric cars. Yes. Uh, you built a, a, a bunch of different things, I'm sure. Uh, yes. One, quite a bit. Wow. I have so many here even. <laughs> have you got most of the cars you've built? Um, I would say quite a ones? few, quite a few. But um, uh, on the OEM side, Hyundai is very interesting because they don't want us promoting cars that are no longer in production. 
Okay. So we tend to destroy or sell the ones that uh, are no longer current. So for example, we built a Genesis Coupe for them not too long ago. We made 1,100 horsepower with that. Um, <laughs> broke some records and they couldn't believe it. They, they sent four engineers from Korea to explore. They're like, they're, no, it's not possible. And I showed them what I did. And um, they even went with me to document uh, me taking... Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Came to 178 miles an hour in Arizona, uh, at a, at a, on a on a airfield, which is pretty crazy. They couldn't believe their cars could do that. So, but that car, after the car went out of production, I ended up selling it to one of my clients. We get people who walk in and say, "I want that car, not for yeah, sale. Yeah. I want it." Not for sale. Okay, how about this price? Okay, so you can have it. So um, <laughs> that being said, on the OEM side, sometimes we, we, we destroy them. Sometimes we sell them to clients if they so want it. Some people pick them up. But there are cars, there's some cars that are just so near and dear to me that I don't part with them. Like the first CRZ is here. The 1,000 horsepower Odyssey is here. Um, I have a Veloster N that we did last year for Hyundai, which is still here. Um, but on the OEM side, those are kind of the other cars that have stayed with us. On the Porsche side, I love Porsches. So I have a lot of my Porsche builds still here, which is pretty interesting. You know, I have the Ninja Turtle up front. Um, I have, of course, the 930 IROC. I, I don't the think Ninja I'll ever Turtle. get rid of this 935. What's the Ninja Turtle? That, oh, that... it's a green one. I, have. I don't know if you saw the green twin turbo one that I launched. At. I'll send some photos afterwards. I had this oh, crazy okay. twin turbo um, um, a Targa that looked like a Ninja Turtle when the top's off. So we kind of call it a Ninja. It's kind of greenish, like a turtle. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I still have that here up front. Um, I bet my wife on? a beautiful. I'm sorry. What's that based on? What's um, the car? It was an '83, '82, oh '82 Targa, '82 Targa. Um, I have uh, an SC, a 1979 SC that I built for my wife, um, which is a ruby stone red color. I use an RS ruby stone red color on it, mm. uh, which is more like a pink. And my wife's kind of crazy, <laughs> almost crazier than me when it comes to cars. So she forced me to build her this narrow body SC that has a GT2 water cooled engine, twin <laughs> turbo, of course, with a sequential cup gearbox. That is badass. <laughs> Crazy, right? But guess what happens, Sam? She drove the electric car and said, I don't want that anymore. She made me that weekend after she drove this car take the engine and gearbox out. It's sitting in my engine room oh. and now it's getting ready for electrification. I'm, I swear to you, it's crazy. She did not want to dick. This was it was just this crazy sequential street car. Crazy. Twin turbo. And she said, BC, no, no, no. This is way faster. I want, I want this electric setup. 
So That's we're so in the nice. line of, I'm converting the Ninja Turtle to electric. I'm converting the her car to electric. And I have this one behind me. So yeah, I have quite a few, quite a few of the cars still here. When you want to convert one of these cars to electric, does this, the sort of size of the car make much difference? Like I know, let's say that some of the older Porsches are quite small in comparison to the 93, even though that 935 is not that big. Does that cause some problems in yes. being a smaller Porsche or something? Uh, no, just not. Because, you know, the, the beauty of electrification is it allows us modules that can be quite compact. So you see some people out there will use maybe repurposed Tesla modules. Some people may use repurposed uh, modules from Karma. Some people may use items Borg Warner. Um, the, the marketplace is quite robust in terms of finding modules that are quite efficient and small. Um, there are even axial motors that are very, very efficient and very small in size. So it's not a challenge at all. As a matter of fact, one of the beauties of the Porsche 911, because of the layout being a RR, rear engine, rear wheel drive, is that it allows us to build these concepts without being invasive at all. I don't have to cut anything out of these cars. If I were to convert your car, for example, mm. Sam, I wouldn't cut anything out of your 911. I could literally remove your petrol engine, put it up for you, electrify your car, non-invasively, and when the time comes where you say, you know what, I want to go back to the roots of my original petrol engine, within a day or so, we can put everything back in. It's really that is, nice. That is yeah, really, really cool. I want to try one. I, <laughs> I want to try one. If you're ever here in the US, if you ever visit, I'll have you drive this thing. You, it would, you would be just shocked. As a fellow Porsche file, you know how Porsches feel. And you know how, you know, I talk about how an old Porsche smells. You know that smell. It's yeah, still yeah, there. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and but then you, you press on a throttle and it's like, okay, this is uncomfortable. It's kind of weird, you know, in a good way, in a good way, of course. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so cool hearing someone that's clearly a car enthusiast about like all the stuff that like, I like as well, but also right. has found, you know, you've moved into the electric space and you are enjoying it. Whereas I think I there's a, I see a lot of people that are like, oh, we're making this electric car or whatever. But I don't really trust them as like a car enthusiast to start with. I don't go, and on the side, you drive this or you've put it into this shape. So, but it's really cool to see someone that's like clearly enthusiastic and then also enjoying electric cars. It gives, gives me hope. Thank you so much. Thank you. The future of tuning is bright. It really is. <laughs> what, what's like a... A normal amount of horsepower for one of your cars? Ooh, my petrol stuff. Um, I'm known as a thousand horsepower guy, so I have a lot of <laughs> horsepower stuff. Um, even my the blue, big thing we saw, nothing almost killed me when I first built it. You and I wouldn't be here today if I didn't do some very creative driving because um, <laughs> I, you know, it's my fault, totally my fault, because I come from a world where we shove big turbochargers in small combustion engines. So when I built my first Porsche, I kind of built it like I would my high horsepower Hondas. Yeah, yeah. So I built a 3.4 liter water-cooled power plant in my 930, and I threw on twin 67, yes, 67 millimeter turbos on this. It maxed out my, my dyno, which my dyno doesn't do more than 1100. And I thought it was fun <laughs> for me to go on around and oh, you're drive around up. The Oh no. How about now? Can you hear oh, me yeah, properly? It's good now. It's good now. So I decided to take a spin around the complex on a Saturday when no one was here. And, uh, you know, first gear, second gear, third gear, and then I floored it. 
<laughs> and uh, nothing was really happening exciting. So I'm trying, okay, this is kind of like, yo, power came on, front end came up. <laughs> Amazing. And I turned back in here, pulled my turbos off when it cooled down. My legs were shaking everything. And I, I took those turbos. I was too big, too much, too much. So <laughs> there is such a thing as too much power when you can't control it. So I do a lot of projects like that. Now it's, it's down to a 57 millimeter pair of turbos. And it's 850 wheel, comfortable for me, but still scares a lot of media. So, um, which is it quite laggy? Um, now it's not. Then it was, but now it's not so bad. But if you compare it to what I'm doing with the EV, the EV doesn't like what. So this EV will destroy that blue car. But um, it's not bad at all. It's actually quite quite enjoyable. Um, Jay Leno drove it recently, and he he just fell in love with that car. He just loved it. Almost killed both of us in Burbank. But um, <laughs> that guy has, that guy has no fear. Um, but a lot of um, Matt Farah from Drive TV, he said this thing shouldn't be on the street. There's a rider for Seinfeld. Um, he has a. Uh, oh, you're car. breaking up again. Oh, no. <laughs> <This> <laughs> Every you know time you weird? just get into it, it goes like. <laughs> oh, no. I know. Well, um, net net, a lot of people who um, are enthusiasts and journalists when they drive my cars feel it's a bit too much power. <laughs> but you can always tone it down, right? It's almost exactly. like you're an, you just you're use an less NBA of this player. Foot. Yeah, there you go. Or I can digitally, I can electronically yeah. turn things around. But um, most of my customers are attracted to what we do because of the crazy projects I do. But they always have a goal in mind so I can tailor their needs with what we can do for them. Mm. So, for example, I mentioned to you that right there to the crank makes about 550 to the crank. My client was like, oh, that's a bit much already. And it'll stay there, even though it has the capability of making 850 yeah. like mine. But um, we can always custom tailor to the needs of our customer. Yeah, for sure. How, how heavy are these cars? Great question. The IROC, the blue twin turbo, is 2460 without drive bus. This right behind me is 2681. So it's pretty lightweight for an EV. Yeah, um, the right. van is like almost 5,000 pounds. <laughs> the van is pretty heavy. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So, but the Porsche, have, the Porsche is a pretty lightweight. Yeah. Do you have any plans to do any newer Porsches, like a 991 or something? There's one right there, actually. Yeah. Um, quite a bit. There's a black one that's behind. We have a club coming in next week with a 2019 Turbo S. So, we plan on doing some uh, pretty clever things there with this exhaust system and turbochargers and tuning and so on and so forth. So, yes, we do quite a bit with privateers. So, we are, we don't focus on one marquee or one mm. era of vehicle the one thing that's cons- consistent within my organization is we embrace new technology so no matter what whether it's a 991 that comes in here 991.2 a gentleman i don't know why one of my company three it's converted well oh. even that we would you know we take care of them so we, we i don't I, he shouldn't really convert that 73 such a beautiful car he's probably <laughs> leave that alone but he wants to that's fine i'll convert it it's non-invasive, so it's good. But the, his car is beautiful. Anyway, I digress. So we do it all. We do it all, sir. Yeah, totally. And if it's non-invasive for the electric it is stuff, yeah, then it, it doesn't is. matter. It is. it is. It's just that he has no. his car. See, <laughs> it's beautiful. Oh my goodness. Anyway. Oh, the connection is. Are we cutting? Up? Are we cutting off dying. again? Oh my! You you built a central seat. Was it a Boxster? We have actually quite a few of them. We have three of them, actually. Oh. Um, 
Yes. So initially it was a, it was a concept that came (laughs) from me just sitting down with my partners and discussing, but it's all Porsche's fault. And I'll tell you why. The Porsche North America, they're very clever people. And what do they do? They find people like myself and they expose us to new models of cars by giving us a track day for free. And after the track day, the goal, of course, is for you to buy a new Porsche and it does work. So not too long ago, we were invited to an event in Fontana, California, where Porsche rented out the entire track and a few select individuals um, they exposed us to the Cayman R, the new Turbo S, the Cayenne Turbo, Panamera Turbo, <laughs> yeah. and there was one other vehicle that was there. Obviously, I don't remember because it wasn't that exciting. Mm. But anyway, of all the cars that we drove, the one vehicle that really stood out for me was the Cayman R. It handled better than anything else, but lacked power. I wish it had the power of the Turbo S, but it handled better than the Turbo S. So I said, there's something here about these mid-engine Porsches. I need to really explore this further. So instead of me buying a new Porsche, I went and found a 987 Cayman S and bought it and twin turbocharged it. So I created this 481 horsepower setup on a factory (laughs) engine and took it to Willow Springs and just lost my, it was the most amazing experience ever. It was so amazing. It, it was so balanced and, 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 and neutral and forgiving and had the power and it was just perfect. I'm like, yeah. this is, oh my God, now I understand why Porsche didn't do this. They didn't give the Cayman so much power because it would destroy the 911. It's just such a great car. One day we're at the California Festival of Speed. It's a big California meet of Porsches and racing. And I'm a sponsor for that event. And I had this opportunity to sit down in the booth with one of my partners uh, that manufactures yep. wheels for us. Matt Crook, he owns a company called 1552. They make a lot of wheels. They make the wheels you may have seen on my blue Porsche and on the minivan and all that fun stuff. And I was saying, hey, Matt, you know, I wonder what I could do to make <laughs> that Cayman even more balanced. I wish I could just maybe move the seat to the middle, like give this, give this a whole different experience. And he's like, BC, if anyone is crazy enough to do it, you can. I said, you know what? I think I'm going to do it. The following weekend, I went to a, an event called God Bless This Mess. It was a Porsche shop in, in uh, the West LA area. And they had this Boxster on the lift with an expired engine and had a for sale sign on it. And no one wanted this thing. And I said, ooh, what if, instead of me getting a Cayman, what if I use this Boxster and then I can make a mold of my Cayman roof and put a Cayman roof on it? I made them an offer. They sold me the car. I had the car here. The team and I dismantled the entire thing, made a mold of the Cayman, fitted the mold (laughs) on the top of the car. And then from afar, I'm like, wait a minute, this looks just like a freaking Cayman. Okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to build this. And I'm going to submit this to the Porsche Owners Club and see if they can create a class for mid-seat Porsches. And we can make it probably do a good business out of this. So I built the car, put a similar twin turbo setup in it, then took it testing at Willow Springs again. Sam... My goodness. As anyone would, the first time on a track, I was really afraid. Um, I'm driving on yeah. at Streets of Willow, at Willow Springs. I'm going really slow the first time around the track. Like some, I, I don't know what to expect. <laughs> it's kind of weird. You kind of have to get used to it because you're sitting in the middle of the car. It, you almost want to drive left a lot, which is kind of weird. And then after <laughs> a couple laps, you get used to it. And then I was really going slow, Sam. I mean, there were Integras, Acro Integras passing me. 
pumping me up. And at each lap, I was getting more and more comfortable and going faster and faster and faster. So Sam, at Streets of Willow, there's a turn three that is quite sharp. So you have to slow down and navigate that at slow speed because it's a very sharp turn. So, you know, I'll get to speed and get to that turn three and I'll slow down and I'll navigate the turn. No big deal. Well, by the fifth lap, I was having a lot of fun. <laughs> this thing was just amazing to drive, right? And I forgot about that turn. And I was coming at speed. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to crash this car first time. I'm going to crash it. I'm going to crash it. I'm going to crash it. And that's the red one, the red center seat. So I let my body go. I, you know, because you don't want to, the, the thing about racing, if you crash and you're yeah. tense, you can really absorb a lot of the energy of the impact. So I know that if I'm going to crash, I kind of just let my body go to just loosen up. So that if I crash, my, I won't absorb a lot of the energy. So I, I really loosened up and just applied the brakes as hard as I could without locking. And <laughs> I was still too fast. And you know what happened, Sam? I turned. I navigated a turn. It hugged it like a rail. <laughs> I didn't go off track. And it just went around. I'm like, oh, my. I'm shouting in my helmet. I'm screaming in my helmet. Oh, my God. This is the most amazing. I got off the track. I got off the track immediately. Went to one of my fabricators, Sam. He's a season, he works with us here. He's a seasoned driver. I said, Sam, this car is amazing. He's like, whatever, BC. You're just saying that. You're having some illusions of grandeur because you built the car. I'm like, no, Sam, <laughs> drive it, drive it, drive it. Sam gets in. Do you know that Sam didn't come off the track for nine laps? <laughs> he just didn't come off. I had to put fuel in the damn thing. It was the most amazing. I'm like, oh, my God. We have, we have stumbled onto something. And to be honest with you, I've had so many people drive the car and they say the same thing. It is like a go-kart on steroids. It is the most, it's like how every race car should be. It's the most amazing thing ever. (laughs) Even Jay Leno drove and said, my goodness, I have an F1 McLaren and this thing is way more fun. It's just amazing. So you take Porsche and what they've done and you make it even more Porsche and it's, it's absolutely amazing. So since then, we built one, which I still have in the house here. We built a second black one for the 50th anniversary of Hot Wheels in collaboration with Momo. And then Mattel had to have one. So they commissioned us last year to build the gold one. Now I think about it, it's red, black, and gold. It's like the German colors, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, so the gold one is still here. We're supposed to deliver it a couple months ago, but with, oh, a month ago or so, but with COVID, everything's kind of closed. So um, it's still here in our garage. And uh, it's absolutely beautiful. It's, it's a beautiful car. I, I got theirs too at... At, at low boost, they make 330. And with a press of a button, I have to push the pass Hot Wheels <laughs> mode. It jumps up to 520 horsepower. Nice. Nice. <laughs> so it's going to be a fun ride for them. But um, yeah, it's what we do here. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. We have a good time here. Team That's ride. super cool. And they're all central seat. Yes, they're all central seat. All of them. It's really cool. I mean, the only bad thing, you can't take passengers, but as a selfish driver... It's yeah, really right. driver centric and it's a lot of fun. Sam, you, you would enjoy it. You would think that every car should be this way. It's so amazing. It's awesome. And your, your view is amazing. You get to use both side mirrors. It's yeah. so amazing. It's just great. It's great. It's great. I, but for I the ha- center, for the center mirror, I have a camera in the rear. So when you look up naturally, like when you look up, yeah. you're looking at a rear view mirror, but it's a camera that's projecting the image to you rather it's than your head. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. I had that similar sort of realization. Uh, I got to drive a BAC Mono. I don't know whether you've nice. seen that. It's like a single seat. How was thing. that experience? It was really, really cool. I got to drive it at Spa in Belgium. And that is so cool. That's a good track, too. That's it was, so cool. It was that thing, like you said, like you get on the track and you're driving around right. and you're suddenly like, oh, there's, there's the right of the car, there's the left of the car. I'm in the middle. Uh-huh. 
It's just this yeah. completely different experience, totally different to it everything is. else. And then you get back in a normal car and you're like, well, why am I on one side? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you're so correct. No, it's, um, it's, it's, that, that's, well, you've done so many cool projects, just so many cool <laughs> projects I look, look at when I was looking through back. Did you do an RWB? For yes, I did. So as far back, believe it or not, um, we've done five cars with Nakai. Hmm. Um, but the most popular one that we've done is the one we built for Electronic Arts for the Need for Speed franchise. So um, Need for Speed franchise, uh, there was one launched about five years ago, and they want to use legends from around the world. And so they brought real, instead of fake characters, they brought real people from the car community to participate in this game. So Magnus Walker, Nakai, um, you had people like Ken Block, myself, Steph Papadakis, yeah. um, quite a few legends from around the world automotive community were converged in the UK and filmed for this game. So if you actually play that game, you can direct with Magnus and myself and Nakai. And to launch that game, that particular series, EA reached out to us to have us build them this collaboration car between Magnus Walker, BC Moto, and Nakai. So nice. Magnus Walker supplied the livery. Um, Nakai did the bodywork. And of course, in normal fashion, BC did the cool <laughs> engine work. So we turbocharged this. They supplied this rust bucket of a 964 from Chicago. And they gave me a picture and said, we want this car to look like this photo. <laughs> And we made it happen. It's, it's amazing. That's the first one. And since then, Nakai and I hit it off. Um, we've built four other customer cars since then. So both uh, Nitro Aspirated and Turbocharged Trim. Mm. And it's been really cool. It's really cool. Um, Nakai has been right, actually accepted nowadays more by the Porsche community. But I remember not too long ago, the purist community was really harsh on him as a builder. Yeah. But um, now it's, 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 it's actually not so bad. Not so bad now. I think people so have sort of got over themselves a little bit. And realize that people are allowed right, to do I whatever agree. they want. <laughs> Amen. Absolutely, sir. And also, these Absolutely. cars are very cool. I yes. <laughs> I think I, I didn't realize for a long time that a lot of the RWB cars weren't really modified. Like as in, they visually were. A majority of them are not. Um, <laughs> and then, like finding <laughs> out that you've you've played with them on and stuff like that, that, that brings a, a little bit back to me. Because I'm like, yeah, I, I feel like if you're going to have a car that looks that mental it needs to have some beef to go with it thank you i i'm right there with you sir as a matter of fact if you think about it with the added arrow and drag that comes with that and the added track and weight the cars are actually slower than they were stock yeah (laughs) if you think about it so that kind of you know defeats the purpose but you know nakai has done well for himself i live uh, in a city called hacienda heights and uh, there's a lot of like you know young chinese money there Mm. And a lot of these kids, they, uh, there are a lot of them who've, who've played, who's, who've purchased his kits. And, and Nakai charges, what, $20,000, $25,000 each. And in my area, they're like a good 10 of them in my area alone. So he, <laughs> nice. he's, done, he's done well for himself. No, they're they're well. really cool looking things. I think they're, they're yeah, awesome. they, are, they look cool. But they look yeah, cool. I just agree. They need, like, if you're going to do that, you need to do a little bit, a bit more, a bit more oomph. Although I was talking to uh, someone recently about this and, let's say an Audi RS model for most people, they actually probably have too much power and you, well, you you probably say you can never have too much power, but from like a fuel (laughs) efficiency and just general usage point of view, if you had 500 horsepower rather than 650 horsepower or whatever, then 
you'd probably be okay with that. But yes. you can't get the look without the horsepower. So you can't buy an RS looking A6. Understood. You have to get the RS6. Understood. Whereas I think I think they would sell a ton of S6s with a £5,000 option to have the wide body kit on it from factory. Hey, you know what? Um, do you remember back in the day when... Because uh, I hear I, I I didn't know anything back then, but I heard a lot in the in the eighties when Porsche noticed that people were actually doing these conversions to a lot of the SCs mm. where they were wide putting you know the nine thirty flares and so on and so forth, yeah. and had to force their hand to start creating the M nine M four nine one to be able to compete. Um, maybe that's what has to happen with the Audis. Maybe shops like Oz need to start creating you know well yeah. well done. Not 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 rubbish, not garbage, but well done. Are six looking base models because um, people people you're right. People would pay and they would buy them. They would. And it, yeah, it just has to look. Uh, it has to look sort of OEM. Right. That right. OEM it has to look OEM. Yes, not you know we see some atrocities here. I've saved some atrocious atrocious cars myself. <laughs> um, I have a there's one in my showroom now. It's a it's the oldest car I own actually. It's a '67 912. Yeah. And uh, you'd appreciate this, Sam. When it came to me. It had, it was, it, it had a three six engine, yeah. bolted on to a nine oh one gearbox, shocking, and mm-hmm. had a nine six four rear end, nine thirty flares, and a nine nine three front end. <laughs> well, that uh, <laughs> that's a few different bits. <laughs> yes, it was horrible. I remember it was parked here, and one of my customers came in and said, "BC, did you build this? What What do you think?" I go, "No, no, I just bought the car." <laughs> I'm going to restore it. And you know, the, the gentleman spent a lot of money in the car because it was all original parts. Even had a, a proper mm. 930 Welltail uh, you know, with a 964 end and uh, yeah. front end of a 993. So I ended up like selling all those parts, all those bits and uh, made some good money because they were all OEM parts. And now yeah. I'm restoring it to its original 1960s look with the long hood and the narrow fenders and, you know, deck lid and all that good stuff. So it's mm. going to be beautiful again. But yeah, I, I, I've, I've seen conversions done poorly but when done right they can be quite attractive yeah but it's it's very difficult to put your sort of finger on what's what's right like i can look across the room and go oh that 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 looks really good and you look at a different one you go and that looks awful but i can't 100 percent pick out why one looks bad and one looks good (laughs) understood Can we do, um, can we try, let's try the video again. Yeah, let's try it again. Are you in a somewhat portable setup? Can we do yes, a little yes, shop tour? Of course, yes, you could. You're back. Okay. Can you see me properly? Yep. Okay, so I came super early to be able to interact with you. And by doing that, sometimes we move cars around when the workshop opens up. But here is, starting off, yeah. the 935 EV that I have here. It's pretty nice. nice Thank you so much. That's the 991 I told you about that we've been working on sometime this week. Yeah. Um, that is, because I just pulled this off the diner, you saw the video recently. This is the uh, factory 935 that came from the UK that we did all the crazy magic with, with all these modern technology and, and, and modern aerodynamics it in looks, terms of the turbochargers. so mental. Thank you, thank you. This is a car that um, I don't talk about very much, but this is a classic restored E30 M3. You don't see many of these here in the U.S. It's absolutely gorgeous. The interior is beautiful. Oh, that's a really nice interior. Very very nice car indeed. Um, 
Here is a client's S2000 that we're doing a supercharger kit on. Ah, here's the Mattel Hot Wheels center seat. Oh, yeah. And you can see the interior there. See it right in the middle. <laughs> it's a lot of work to do this, by the way. It's a lot. And uh, if I can get around the rear end here, you can see the turbochargers are pretty nice. Oh, yeah. Um, I really like seeing the turbos thank you. out the back. Thank you. It's just you know, like, start, it's like seeing into the I'm starting the to copy it a lot. A lot of people are starting to copy this, so... Probably a timely thing I'm getting to EVs. Anyway, um, we have a Mercedes-Benz right there that we're doing some work on as well, another S2000. It's kind of weird. We're getting this upsurge of S2000 clients, and they're spending a lot of money in their cars. It's pretty interesting that uh, they're starting to do that. Um, here is the 2020 Hyundai Veloster N that we built for American Hyundai, and that is a vehicle that um, makes 320 horsepower now and on the factory setup, and that one is a lot of fun. Over here is the first Porsche I ever built. You know this one. As I yeah. call it, the Arab Porsche. And here are the turbos down there again. Hopefully, I'm showing it properly to you. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's cool. The first car I ever built for an OEM manufacturer is the Honda CRZ. <laughs> um, this is the Caterham that's going to be converted to EV. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there it is right there. I nice. don't think about this. Nice. That's a um, pretty rare car here in the US. That is a 190 Cosworth. I need to, oh, I need to yeah. restore one day. One day. Um, this is a popular car with the youth. This is my 1989 uh, Honda Civic Wagon. It has a turbocharged 770 horsepower setup, all-wheel drive, <laughs> and a sequential gearbox, which is pretty... It's a sequential Quaife gearbox, which we worked with Michael Quaife and his team oh, to develop cool. years ago. And speaking of development, this is my most popular car. This has a Hot Wheels. It's been on a ton of television shows. This is my... <laughs> thousand horsepower odyssey and everything works the sliding door works like normal it has a beautiful leather interior with a child seat four point cage we converted it to manual to a manual gearbox AC works yeah. car steering reverse camera <laughs> very popular car but you know what because, does this have a lot of traction issues? yeah because it's, you just beat me to it because it's front wheel drive it's kind of useless because <laughs> in any gear you just press on the throttle and these tires just I go through tires like crazy the tires just spin 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 yeah. spin and spin, and, spin. Um, and then you try and, and steer because steer, you have no steering you have no control at all um, this is the client's Lotus um, Elise that's turbocharged that we're going to actually repair this is a good example of us repairing work from another shop that did a horrible job so we're going to okay. get this going it has a very bad boost spike remember that 67912 I told you about here it mm. is I'm trying to restore it so it didn't look anything oh, like right. this yeah. when I got it. It had a 94 end, a 993 front end, and crazy fender flares from a 930 that were exaggerated. Yeah. Um, ah, this is a 1968 911T. Um, I'm restoring for my father. Don't tell him. He's a surprise. <laughs> this is uh, another project car we have, a 914 2.0 from 1976. Here's the Rubystone Red car I told you about. That's the Rubystone Red. Oh, uh, nice. Uh, narrow body for my wife that had the sequential gearbox and and uh, yeah and the uh, GT2 engine and now it's devoid devoid of anything now because we're electrified for her. So is it quite easy to drop in like a modern engine into an older car? No, it's a lot of work. It looks when we do it, it looks pretty clean, but it's very difficult to do. It's a lot of fabrication, especially if you want to look OEM. It's really tough. And think about it, you're trying to keep the elements of the front end intact, but you're water cooling now. So you have to have a radiator done properly. Yeah. And, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty, pretty crazy. 
Here's a Ninja Turtle I told you about, Targa. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. also getting ready for electrification. Ah, Sam, I want you to look at this car and how it's a special Wishes 911. Looks like rubbish right now. Yeah. Most of my cars do when they start off. They start off like this. Looks really bad. Like you need a tetanus shot when you sit inside of it. Very <laughs> ugly. Remember this car because by November this year, you will not believe how beautiful it's going to be. And I'm speaking of beauty, here's one of my most... Thank you. Here's one of my most cherished vehicles. This is my 1982 Slat Nose Original Factory. And because nice. it's so viable, I have not modified it at all. <laughs> and uh, even has these old school Epsilon wheels, which are period correct. Then here's the first one. Remember I gave you the story about the center seat? Yeah, yeah. This is my it's first center seat application. Um, and it's similar to the gold one. But everything we learned from this we apply to the next one. And what we learn from the next one, we apply to the gold one. Mm. And instead of having the pipes in the middle, like we did on the gold one, this one has the pipes far away. All right, yeah. Yes, but turbos in the rear. This one's a lot of fun. It also has a push the pass function as well. Another project car that I have here, this is a, a 1976 912, very sought after by racers in America because it's, it has a no sunroof application and manual windows, so it's quite lightweight. Yeah. This is the second center seat that we did in collaboration with Momo and the 50th anniversary of Hot Wheels. And you can see once again on the inside. And we did some big different appointments on this one as well. Pretty cool. Has a little commemorative 50th anniversary steering wheel and all that fun stuff. That moment and, uh, where that's it. Um, one of your cars gets turned into a Hot Wheels car must be we have, pretty special. We, we're quite fortunate that we have not only our van as a Hot Wheel, but we also have um, other cars that we never owned that are Hot Wheels, like the new NSX yeah. and uh, um, some of the other Honda Type R's, which we haven't done. Um, this is my office with a ton of trophies for my racing oh, days. Oh, nice. <laughs> I have them here, but I was going was gonna to pull up now was like this set of Type R, be similar oh, to Hot yeah. Wheel. And there's also other, so many here. This is uh, the NSX <laughs> as well, Hot Wheel, yeah. this model. And the van is very rare, but I do, I do have a van one as well. Let's see here. <laughs> and they got the color and everything properly. Let's see. And right there, it's the van one. So cool. So cool. Yeah, thank, you. thank you. That's, that's got to be a great moment when that comes out. And you're like, it is. Oh, this is my it car. Is like, it, is, it is. We are so fortunate to have that. It's so amazing. So amazing indeed. Awesome. Well, it's been it's been awesome to uh, to chat. You're too kind. And I normally wrap these up with five questions. Okay, let's do it. Are you ready? I am ready. Do you have a most memorable driving trip or journey? Most memorable. Well, I have so many, but let me see. What's the, what's the best one ever? My father and I had the opportunity to drive. I built this crazy. 996 twin turbo which by the way i feel that the 996 twin turbo is one of the most underrated supercars ever i mean some i get it some people don't like the headlights but the engine is amazing the gearbox is almost indestructible it's you can have a lot of fun with a mm. it's a small investment a decent investment in it so i built this this 520 horsepower one and my father and i drove up the coast we met at magnus walker's house and a whole group of us drove all the way to monterey and it was so enjoyable because I never got to spend that much time with my father. And then we got to know each other even better. Because, you know, once again, we're, we're African. So we have this 
you know, you don't look at your father in the eyes. He's your father. Mm-hmm. You're the child. Even if I'm 80 years old, my father is still my father. But we really had this great bond and connection. And then he had a very strong appeal for Porsche camaraderie because he saw how the enthusiasts got together. By the way, this is a guy who used to come to America and watch my races. And he saw how some of the Honda drag races behaved. And then now he's exposed to these Porsche people and the Magnus pulled them aside and they had a good discussion and, and they exchanged numbers and photos. And, and he's like, man, I, I want a Porsche. That's why I was building that one. I told you, don't tell him. I wanted nice. to have his own yeah, as yeah. well when he visits. Uh, Cause he just thought that the Porsche community was so tight knit and it was just so wonderful. So that was really the most memorable drive for me. That's so cool. Thank you. That sounds like a great, great memory. <laughs> Next question. Five car garage, unlimited value. 918 spider nice take on turbo and would you mess (laughs) would you mess with all of these cars each and every one of them from the day (laughs) um take on turbo s and then you said garage right unlimited resources i will build a nine i'd build a moby dick all wheel drive ev for the street (laughs) from the peers would kill me nice I would also like to have like a K4 setup that's a hybrid, as in two electric motors in the front yeah, and a petrol engine in the back with an integrated motor assist. He's got a limited budget. And then, you know, probably a late model Koenigsegg. That'll be it. Oh, nice, nice. I, lo- I really like the idea of the heavily turbocharged Porsche, whether like a, you know, 935 k4 or something and but with the hybrid part sure. of it because you can still have the crazy boost yes. the flames yes. and, all that <laughs> the stuff. and still have yeah you're right the and still have the electricness yeah. mm-hmm. and just the response of course, of course. sounds bad are, are you giving me a hint <laughs> <laughs> i can make it happen you know <laughs> <laughs> i would totally at some point be keen for a, a heavily turbocharged porsche there you go. that has some electric very in it, nice for sure very nice Right. If you could only drive one car for the rest of your life, Ooh. what would it be? So the car. And you're allowed. There is a little caveat. Mm-hmm. You're allowed yeah. like a 500 pound beta, 500 dollar thing for luggage and family or whatever. Okay. Okay. Need. So it doesn't have to be super practical. It it can be two seats. Rest of my life, I'll be mm-hmm. honest with you. It'd be what I already built. It'd be that K3, the K3 with uh, me adding some creature comforts to it. Um, yeah. I really like the car. It's, it's, it's eye-catching. It's also efficient. Um, I've always, Sam, I, you and I didn't talk about this, but one of the things that I, I never do share very much is um, building my crazy cars with exhaust systems and shooting flames were great, but I always had this guilt, this guilt about what I was doing with all these exhaust mm. fumes I redid. And that's why almost all my cars are flex fuel. Um, I use yeah. ethanol to power them, thinking that I could help and have less detrimental emissions but now that i have an ev i really feel good driving it i just feel good driving it it's 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 no emissions whatsoever so that being said um it would be the k3 that would be it ah that sounds and perfect reason as well because you can as it as technology changes you can change the technology in it and if i visit london with it i don't have to worry about paying extra charges for congestion fees or anything like that. No, exactly. You just cruise around everywhere. <laughs> exactly. And because it makes not much noise, yeah. people won't assume you're speeding. Of course. 
Right. What do you think is undervalued in the car market at the moment? As in a vehicle or as in a vehicle, yeah. Oh, what vehicle is undervalued? Mm. Mm, that's actually a pretty good question. I would say, oh, that's a good question. I would say, so, and, it's, and I'm going to be correct with this, and please don't be upset, but the 996 C2, it's actually, I know the purists in the market, some people say it's, it's kind of a rubbish car, but it's starting yeah, But it look, is it, cheap. It, it, it is relatively cost effective, and it is still a Porsche, and it handles like a mm. Porsche. And I know it's Porsche's first foray into the water cooled arena, but I have a feeling that the prices of those things are going to start going up fairly soon. So I think it's undervalued in the market right now. I, I'd agree with that. I think of, if you look at all Porsches throughout sort of history, mm-hmm. if you look at 996 and go, it's not been loved for a long time. And they've, the price has done, reflected that. And now, yeah, like a, a 996 Turbo. Oh, now that. Like, yeah. That's just amazing. <laughs> it is. Punch. Right. For your pound. Of course. Do you remember the 964? Not too long ago, people hated that too. Like, oh, 964, oh, horrible. I, I bought a few for seven grand, you know, but look now. Nice. Oh, people can, oh my God, 964. I sold my seven grand one for 50. Imagine that. Nice. You know, so. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, maybe you get a couple of, couple of 996s. I know. Make, it, make um, something happen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what's the most interesting car to you at the moment? That's the final question. Most interesting. What are you, sort of, you know, it, it, it's, <laughs> it's it's the cyber car. It's really the cyber truck, I would say, from Tesla. Oh, nice. That yeah, thing yeah. is really weird. I thought it was a joke. I really did. I was waiting for the punchline. Okay, he's going to say, okay, psych. Okay, just kidding. No, it's, <laughs> it's, it's really interesting. I mean, and I haven't decided if I love it or hate it. Yeah. But it is the most interesting car right now because I... It's. I love that it exists. Yeah, it's 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 bananas. Uh, you know, may exist. Yeah, understood. Might it, exist. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, just just people going out and doing something completely different, and all these people that hate, like, yeah, okay, but don't buy it. So it doesn't matter. You know what? Absolutely. I mean, I get that a lot. I mean, even with me, um, doing what I did with the with the K three, um, I had yeah. I had a couple of death threats. People are going to kill me for doing that. What? Religious. Um, how dare I murder a car like that? Um, uh, and, but, but I'm very polite and I tell them, Hey, you know, this is another, is actually, you know, upcycling a car is actually better than even building a new one. The energy that goes into building a new car yeah. is much more than me repurposing this. And by the way, I found that car in Palm Springs rotting in someone's garage. It was never going to see a road or track again. And now I've given a new life and given a new life. That's very clean. So that being said, I have no chagrin with what I did. I love it. And more to come. I may, have to do exactly. a, I may have to do a hybrid like you just said. Now I'm thinking about it. I'm going to give you a call, Sam, and say, hey, remember that hybrid we talked about? It actually exists now. Anyway. No, it's been great. It's been awesome to talk to you. Thank you, I've sir. I've followed you for a very long time. Thank you, And so you do much, wicked sir. projects. Thank you. Sorry about the connection. Um, just everyone is at home nowadays, and the internet's been kind of patchy since this whole stay-at-home accord we've had here in the U.S. Yeah, everyone's, anyway. everyone's been watching Netflix Exactly, and exactly. <laughs> okay well thanks very much my pleasure my pleasure
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 